You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Eric Barton. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Pray with me, please. Father, we pray that uh, the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. Amen. It was um, four years ago. And I found myself in a bit of a pickle. In fact, I was in a real spiritual pickle. Although I felt like I was 22, in reality, I was 62. And there was a strong sense of of spiritual dryness in my life. In the mornings, I would get up and drink coffee and read and pray, but nothing seemed to happen or change, or certainly nothing seemed to improve. At the least, the way I wanted things to improve. I'd come to church... Uh, see many of you, I also would ask how you are, you would ask how I am, I would say something in a name, like I'm fine, which I don't like that word, I'm fine or I'm great, but in reality there was an emptiness. Like you, I would often hear of people in the body who were in need, and I would say, hey, I'll pray for you, only to see you or them sometime later and remember that I had forgotten. My business life was facing a series of seemingly never-ending challenges. My father's health was failing. There were not enough hours in the day. And life was slipping by. I was mired in a neutral spiritual neutralness. Oh, externally, I could tell you the answers, but something, something was missing. I'm not smart enough to have a plan or strategy to address it, but I did begin a journey. And the journey was simple. I was going to read some things. I'm not smart enough to have a strategy, but I said, I'm going to read some like guys who've gone before us, guys who finished strong life. And I'm going to look for something that these men might say. I took copious notes, pages, you know, the yellow thing, copious notes, got to be kind of a big stack. And after several months, I got tired of reading. I studied my notes, made notes of my notes, and tried to say, what am I reading here? And wow, was I dumbfounded. To say that it was an aha moment is a gross misunderstatement. There was no magic potion, no secret. It was there before me the entire time, but I had ignored it. Perhaps I thought it was too trivial, or certainly, at the least, it was too simplistic. Was I ever wrong? You know, Eric likes to put up a kind of a big idea type thing up here. 
occasionally, Eric, if you're listening, occasionally you do have an idea. <laughs> Matt, I did practice that. You didn't practice your... <laughs> Here would be today's big idea. Intentional thankfulness to our God changes everything. You see, I, it was okay. I had it figured out. I was striving to know God. I was striving to perform well. Some would say obedient. And in my own strength, I was striving to do the right things. Asking, hoping, almost borderline. Expecting that God would bless me. And when things didn't turn out the way I wanted them to, like an Enneagram 3 or a serial entrepreneur, I simply doubled down on my efforts. Isn't that what you do? You just double down. And I was wrong. I was missing out on one of the most repeated principles in the entire Word of God. I was not being thankful. In fact, I was ungrateful. Let's just lay it on the table. A sin that denies the faithfulness of God. A sin that denies God's sovereignty. And I stand before you today, bald-headed guy. But I now believe with every scintilla of my being. That the biblical principle of choosing to be thankful is, ne- is the most repeated and central principle of the entire Bible. For the next two minutes, we're going to walk through the whole Bible, and I think you'll see what I mean. In the Old Testament, one of the things that constantly characterized those crazy Israelites was their failure to remember and be thankful. God had delivered them from Pharaoh's army, yet when they were free, they cried out, let us go back to Egypt. When God provided manna, they complained that they had no meat. They blamed Moses. They had self-pity. They remembered not the deliverance from slavery, but the cucumbers and onions and melons and leeks. They chose not to be thankful. Moving forward, remember we got two minutes in the whole Bible. Moving forward, Psalms. Phil, we'd be here till Thursday. Psalms 118, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Psalms 100, enter his gates with, help me, thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Psalms 146, praise the Lord, praise the Lord on my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing and give thanks. Thanks to the Lord. In the New Testament, in fact, keep coming. Remember, we got two minutes. In the New Testament, Jesus repeatedly expressed thanksgiving to the Father. At Lazarus' grave in John 11. When he fed the 5,000 in John 6. When he instituted the Lord's Supper in Luke 22. Keep coming forward. Our two minutes are almost up. And then there's Paul. Perhaps we should call him Mr. Thanksgiving. In every one of Paul's letters except one, 
the theme is the same. Oh, there are other themes. But there's always a singular unifying theme. It's thanksgiving. The choosing to be thankful. Very quickly, 1 Thessalonians 5. Be joyful always. Pray continually giving thanks. Colossians chapter 3. Let the priest of Christ rule in your heart. Since as members of one body you were called into peace and be thankful. Ephesians 5. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thank you. And finally, 1 Corinthians, the book, excuse me, the church that gave Paul migraines. I thank my God always concerning you. I may have lost my hair, but I see the pattern. I've looked hard in preparation for today, for a really cool sounding like definition of what is thankfulness. Like read these fancy pants theology people. Eh, we ain't got nothing. So I'm a bald-headed guy. I'm from flyover country. I'm from Tyler, Texas. I'm going to take a stab at it right now. Gentlemen, hit it. For the believer in Jesus Christ, thanksgiving or thankfulness is the undeniable conviction that our loving God is sovereign that he is merciful and therefore is worthy of our intentional and purposeful praise in all of life's circumstances. Over the next couple minutes, we're going to do three things. We're going to talk about the circumstances of thanksgiving or being thankful. We're going to talk about the results of choosing to be thankful. And thirdly, the toughest one, but I think the coolest one, the how of being thankful. Let's start with the circumstances leading to Thanksgiving. I am not a licensed professor, a counselor. I do not, I'm not a psychologist. I don't want to be one. But I see life, but I've lived a little. Yeah, Ugh. get beat up a little bit, you learn. And I've seen three circumstances that lead to thanksgiving, for which we choose. The first one is, let's get the easy one out of the way, can we? The first one is spontaneous. There's sometimes in life, it's just easy to be thankful. The birth of a child. Birth of a grandchild. A beautiful sunset. Great dinner with friends. Something good happening in a career. You say, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I'm thankful. We were at a wedding three weeks ago in California. I mean, the setting was unbelievable. It was like, this is heaven. How can you not be thankful? So there are the glimpses of life. Unfortunately, it's not that often. But there are glimpses in life. And with the choosing of being thankful, it's just spontaneous. It just happens. And it's great. If only life was like that all the time. Because it's not. And there's a second, a second category, and we're not going to call this spontaneous. We're going to call this choosing because we live in a broken world and difficult and challenging things happen to us. Relationships become broken. Something painful happens to a child. We are the objects of gossip. We get a flat tire when we least need it. 
things don't work out in our career. Someone parks in the handicapped parking space that's training for a marathon. Someone enters the express lane at Bookshire's with 50 items in their cart. We make bad decisions. Someone else makes bad decisions that impact my family. Life doesn't seem fair. We question ourselves. We, the list is endless. In these moments, Thanksgiving is the furthest thing from my mind. And I f- begin the slippery slope of complaining, of being angry, of questioning God's goodness, of worrying, Whew. and even self-pity. I'm very vulnerable to this. In times like these, Thanksgiving is not easy. It's a fork in the road. I've got this route, and I've got to choose to be thankful. And the feelings for self-pity or anger or complaining or despair or worry is this very slippery slope, and I have a choice to make. When I choose this one over here, the non-thankful one, I'm standing before you to tell you that is sin. And my ingratitude, or choosing not to be thankful, denies God's faithfulness and his challenges and challenges the integrity of his promises. Thanksgiving is a choice. And the only way out for this slippery slope is for me to stop my self-pity and playing the blame game and choose. In all things to be thankful. Some of these things I mentioned earlier, they're small, the Brookshire's thing and the handicapped parking. And, you know, after all, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm, I've come to the conclusion later in life that when those little things happen to us, you know, somebody does that. Like, what are you doing? Really? That maybe my response is, you know, I think God's like whispering in my ear. Hey, you idiot. I put this in your life. You don't know that person's name. You don't even know anything about them. I put them there so you might pray for them. They need it. Some of the things I listed were huge. 50... Over about a decade and a half ago, I was on QVC. They interviewed, I, I'm thinking, 20,000 people. They picked 15. All of, and, and I had no idea. And we had a product we were working on. We were making it in China. It was not ready yet. There were flaws. There were design flaws in it. But I, I can kind of talk my way around it. We had a prototype that looked like the real thing. It's like you couldn't tell the difference as long as I didn't let you play with it too much. You'd never know it wasn't the real thing. So I went to this place over in the World Trade Center in Dallas, and they said, well, you know, there were thousands of people there. You had like a minute with a buyer. I didn't know why. Sure enough, a couple weeks later, they called me, and they said, uh, you're one of the 15. Congratulations. By the way, we're hitting send right now, and it's an email with a timeline you have to meet if you're going to be one of the 15. I said, send it on, baby. 
Come on now. We're rocking and rolling. I just begin to think. You immediately begin to think, oh, my gosh, God has blessed us. God's going to do all these great things. We're going to give money to Bethel. We're going to give money to Young Life. We're going to do all these great things. We're just going to be, like, incredible. So the email comes with a timeline, and I read it, and my jaw drops. There's no way I can make it. This stuff's in China. We haven't even made it yet. We have to not only expedite the manufacturing in China, we have to expedite it all the way to Philadelphia by this date. And the product had flaws in it. We say we're going for it anyway. So a few weeks before you go up there, you have to be there three days for QVC school, where they kind of talk to you. And they say, everything's pretty easy. It's kind of simple, you know, except they, then they said, it, right the last thing, right before, the, you're, you're going to have a host. You've seen, I don't know if you've ever watched QVC. You're going to have a host, and they're really nice people, except one. And if you get him, don't freak out if he's yours. Well, you don't, they don't tell you who you're going to get. So you're very nervous, and you're there, and you know, you comb your hair, you brush your teeth, and you got to start shirt off, you know, you're doing all that thing, and, but, and it's all robotics. It comes one, and you think that's a set or a kitchen or a living room behind them, and those, it's, it's, it's duct tape and cardboard. It's not a kitchen. Are you kidding me? Anyway, so it's all robotics. So I'm standing here. You can, see the, you can see the clock in front of you, and it's coming one, and each one's three. You're only on for three minutes. So they're coming closer and closer and closer. And about one minute before I go on, this guy walks in. I got the guy. So he looks at me and says, what's your name? I said, I'm Tom Raymond from Tyler, Texas. What are you making here? He looked, and the, st the stagers had put, you know. He said, and I can't use his language. I want to, though. <laughs> I can't believe QVC is stooped this low, that we're selling stuff like this. There was a time when we had standards here. And now we're selling this. Within three seconds, the red light goes on. He said, hey, I'm John. I'm here with Tom Ramey. He's got one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Tom, everybody needs one of these. Tell us about it. It, it was three minutes. It just seemed to be 3,000 years. I died a thousand deaths. I would love to say it's his fault because there was no oxygen left in my lungs. But the truth is, I failed miserably. There were watching parties, watching. I mean, I was ashamed. I had failed. And my spirit was crushed. I was the... I had a, I didn't have an LM, I was, it was, I was, I, I was, I was a failure. All they do on the way out, the producer comes up to you and says, thanks for coming. Where do I send back the inventory that we didn't sell? Because you were terrible. No, you didn't say that. But I was. I was terrible. I, 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 I. Sure enough, two weeks later, it shows up. It, it's not boxes. It's pallets, folks. It's pallets full. 96 inches tall. It took me years because I'd look at those and I would like, I was embarrassed. I'm, I was so ashamed. I, I was such a failure. It took years before I could walk up to one of those pallets, which I still have. I walk up to one of those pallets and say, God, I thank you. Thank you for this.
The truth is, folks, I am not called to be successful on QVC or anywhere. I'm called to be thankful in all things. I am called to choose thankfulness in all things. So sometimes it's spontaneous, some, almost always it's a choice, but there's a third category that must be mentioned. Because there are some, some circumstances in life, things that happen that are so bad, so painful, so unexpected, so overwhelming that they're like a tsunami of grief and pain that engulfs us, that consumes us. In times like these, the very thought of anyone even suggesting to me, be thankful, is ridiculous, it is an anathema, it is ludicrous, it is unfathomable. It makes me want to hit you. Don't tell me to be thankful. You don't understand my pain. At times like these, the body of Christ, as only the body of Christ can, is called upon to rally, to love, to pray for, to cry with. As Solomon wrote, a time to weep and a time to mourn. As David wrote in Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And save those crushed in spirit. In time, in time, perhaps a long time, the Spirit of Christ will manifest itself. Thanksgiving is going to look different. It'll sound different. It may be totally different than what we might think. But God's inherent nature of grace will be made known in the way that we bring glory and honor to Him. Okay. So the circumstances, a few times it's spontaneous, most often it is a choice, and it's hard. What happens when we do choose thankfulness? A couple things very quickly. Thanksgiving paves the royal road to draw near to God. It's the concrete. It's the asphalt. To bring us close to the Savior. Like the Israelites, thanksgiving goes hand in hand with a close walk with God. And ingratitude results in self-focused complaining, grumbling, dissatisfaction, and very importantly, because I experienced it, spiritual impotence. Thanksgiving opens our eyes to reveal God's presence and his love for us. It reminds us that he is sovereign. He's got this. He controls this. Again from the Psalms. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Paul from Colossians chapter 2. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thanksgiving. I don't listen to Christian music much. Sorry, Matt. I love you. Talk about Matt in a minute. But one song that's sort of contemporary has really blessed me. It's Shane and Shane's When I Think About the Lord. Because the lyrics are perfect for today. I'm not singing it. <coughs> but it goes like this. I'll read them. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think 
about the Lord. How he picked me up, turned me around, and set my feet on solid ground. When I think about this, it makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. A journey of choosing thanksgiving, a journey that never ends, is the asphalt of the path to draw near to the Savior. Second thing it does, thanksgiving energizes and vitalizes our prayer life. When we are intentionally thankful, we're acknowledging that this world is God's. He made it. He controls it. He's got this. When I pray about a particular concern with thanksgiving, I'm remembering his faithfulness in the past, and I can see his results even before I see anything. I know it's going to happen. In contrast, if all I do, boy, I'm guilty of this. If all I do is ask from God, like treating God like Santa, send me a blessing, I've been a good little boy. If all I do is ask from God, I live in a state of constant tension. Tapping my fingers on the desktop or the steering wheel. Okay, God, I did my part. When are you going to do yours? This is the place I was four, year, four years ago. It is not the biblical model. When I pray with thanksgiving, I pray with confidence that God's answer is on the way and his riches are more than adequate for whatever happens to me today. Paul and Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and... Paul in Philippians, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Be anxious for nothing but in prayer, every, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known. I stand before you today humbly that I am learning, I am in process. Learning to pray with thanksgiving and confidence that God has heard my prayers. That he loves me. And his answer to my prayers are both in motion, and this is important, both in motion and they are enough. Yeah. Lastly, the how of Thanksgiving. It's a process, a lifelong process. Tim Keller couple quotes because I, this, is, this is a tough one, so I got some, I'm leaning on some big shoulders here. Tim Keller has written, it's one thing to be grateful, it's another to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel. Giving thanks or thanksgiving is what you do. Chuck Swindoll, very similar. Gratitude is the decision of the will. And if a decision of the will, the choice resides squarely with us. Deciding to be thankful is no easy task. You know, this is a hard one. It 
takes work. I am not disciplined enough. I am not talented enough. I am not gifted enough to do this Thanksgiving thing in a vacuum. I have to have a tool. I can stand before you today and say, I'm going to be thankful tomorrow, and by Wednesday I will have forgotten that I even said it. So I need a tool. Now, tools intimidate some of us. And you know what? My response is get over it. If you're like me, you need a tool that reminds me to be thankful. I have a green book that is so bad and nasty and dirty, I'm putting super glue on the super glue to hold it together. It's it, it's no, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a journal. I don't know if it's a diary. I wouldn't call it that. But you know what it is? It's, it's the tool God uses to call me to be thankful. Now, every December 31st, I start over. But the first two pages are always the same every year. They never change. Beyond that is things that happen during the year, life. But the first two pages never change. Now, this is just me. You, we'll get to that other side. The first page of the verses I've read this morning, left-hand side. The right-hand side are the things for which I'm thankful. And I'm going to share a couple. I'm thankful for my position in Christ that he chose me from eternity past. That all the promises, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 are real. I am thankful for my wife. As I've gotten older, now 33 years of marriage, I'm not quite as dumb as I look. And one of the conclusions I've come to is that maybe the best way I can love my wife is to thank God for her. I mean, really, thank God for her. I am very thankful. I'm thankful for my two daughters, great girls. I know God has their life. You may know, you may not know, 10 years ago, a guy, young man came, we became his guardian. It was a terribly difficult time in our life. I am so thankful that he is in our life. I'm thankful for my mother and my father. My father passed away, my mother's over here. It's kind of intimidating. I am so thankful for the way they live their life. I am so thankful for my business and the heartache it gives me. And I, again, I really used to have hair. I am so thankful for my employees who drive me crazy at times. I'm thankful. I'm just going down to the I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for Eric Barton and Susan over here. I'm thankful that he does it. How do you do this twice a week? I'm, I'm exhausted. And you know who I'm also thankful for? These clowns up here. Let me tell you, I used to be an elder here. Nothing divides a church quicker than music. It's like, oh my gosh. Are you serious? We're going to argue about that? You're going to leave over that? 
You dead gum right, I'm gonna leave over that. I'm so thankful for Matt McGill. But not Matt, the whole team up here. These guys are rock stars. What they're doing in the community is incredible. And for Mike, they, if you guys don't know, here's his wife. Here she's right. you, I'm so thankful for these guys. I'm thankful for the privilege to be in this body. I'm in a Tuesday morning group on the second floor that Ross leads. This guy right here comes to it, and this guy over here comes. I mean, it's like the best thing in my life. I am so thankful for the blessings of being a part of this body. It's a choice that God has called us to. And what I'm compelled to do is take these things, the rest of you, just the first two, I'm th- I, many of you are in here, I'm so, and I have to choose, I have to say these things back to God. Now you're smarter than me, you're more gifted than me, you may put a, th- a three by five card and put it on your dashboard, you may put it on the side of your computer, you may put it in your post, I mean in your pocket, whatever you, you need a tool, I think you need, I, I know I need a tool. I bet you do too. So there's my hint. hint. An experiment. What works for you is different. But I have got to have the discipline. Because what happens when I don't? I start that slippery, slippy road that's so easy to fall into. You know. Did you see? As opposed to choosing to be thankful in all things. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.